Are you a fan of things that go bump in the night? Chills up your spine, paralyzed by fright. Thrilled by horror at the center of a chat. Then welcome to the Nerds from the Crypt podcast. Thank you for joining us here on Nerds from the Crypt, the podcast where we review your favorite and sometimes not so favorite horror movies. We also invite indie creators to come into the crypt and talk about the upcoming and ongoing Kickstarter and crowdfunding campaigns. My name is Saul. And I'm David. And today we're going to be talking to an indie creator who I just recently saw the campaign. Well, actually, I'll say recently, but it was about a week already. And immediately I just needed to reach out and get him on the show. Before we get into that, I want to go ahead and just say thank you for for listening to us. Just remember, we are now fully on the Spoilerverse Network. Make sure to go out there and, you know, look at the different podcasts that are out in Spoilerverse. You can quench your your nerd thirst. So, yeah. So, with that being said, let's go ahead and talk to David Peppos. Did I say that correctly? It, it, uh, it's David Peppos, but believe me, I've, I've lived with this name for 35 years. <laughs> it's, it's an occupational hazard. I've had all sorts of names uh, or letters thrown in there for extra spiciness. So uh, <laughs> believe me, believe me, this, 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 this was positively excellent compared to what I usually hear. So uh, thank you guys so much for having me. It, 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 I, I really appreciate it. Our pleasure. Like I said, it's, as soon as I saw it, I'm like, oh, I have to reach out. And then I saw that you were actually uh, author of uh, Spencer and Locke. Yeah, yeah, and um, that's my first book. No, um, it, it's. Uh, now, to be honest, I actually didn't get a chance to read that one, but it's pretty good. My, my <laughs> <laughs> I've heard, I've heard actually, but my uh, my buddy Jake actually did a comic re, uh, recap uh, rap on it when oh, it first came out. You're friends with Jake. Uh, I, I, yes, I, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved that recap rap. That was that I I. Uh, that was probably one of my favorite reviews. I, 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 uh, every, you know, every so often I, I, I think maybe I should reach out to him to see if he wants to do another song about one of my other books and then I chicken out. But if you're friends with him, uh, <laughs> tell him, tell him I would, I would love any raps that he wants to do about any of my books. Um, so yeah, Jake, it's b- balls in your court, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did talk to him earlier today, so he's, he's, um, he was psyched that we were talking to you. Yeah. Well, tell him I said, hi. Um, tell, tell, tell him huge fan of his work. That's why I asked for his, uh, for his music for our theme. <laughs> yeah, no, he's terrific. Um, uh, yeah, I, as somebody who, uh, who loves comics and loves rap, um, uh, yeah, having a rap review of my very first book, um, that was like a bucket list item I didn't know I had. Um, so yeah. Um, but yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I've been talking a lot about my first book. Um, and if you like Calvin and Hobbes or Sin City, you will love Spencer and Locke, but I know you guys call me for for a very specific reason, uh, which is probably my new Kickstarter, the OZ, which yes, is uh, yes. what if uh, Mad Max and the Hurt Locker took place in the Wizard of Oz. So uh, very excited to t- talk with you guys about that book. Uh, it's been in the works for three years now. Um, uh, so it's it's a huge relief, a huge weight off my shoulders to finally be able to talk about it uh, with the rest of the world. Now, as we're recording this, um, and as soon as people hear this, uh, it's already 500% funded. So how does that yeah. that feel? Your first Kickstarter, what's yeah. that like? Um, you can't expect, you, 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 you do backup plans and then backup plans to the backup plans. Um, but this is, nobody it prepares you for this kind of level of overshoot uh, in the first 10 days, no less. Um, you know, it, it's like going out for a sandwich and winding up on the moon. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's very, it's, I mean, it's wonderful. I I couldn't be more grateful and more honored. Um, you know, you believe in the concepts and you believe in your team uh, enough to roll the dice in a Kickstarter. But then when you wind up doing something, you know, when you see the rest of the world respond in the exact same way, um, it's really encouraging as, as a pro, you know, you spend your whole life loving comics and, uh, experiences like this, um, comics love you back. And I think that's something that I, I'm always going to uh, remember and, and, and treasure as my time as a creator. So let's talk about you real quick. Yeah. What is your background? How did you get to this point where you're, <laughs> yeah. you're uh, going to release the OZ? Sure. Well, you know, my, my career path, um, like, like my stories, none of it's straightforward. None of it's a straight line. Uh, it's, it's, it's a zigzag. It's a lightning bolt. 
um, you know, I got my start, my, my first break in the industry. Uh, I was an, a, a, an intern at DC comics. Uh, I worked in their editorial division. Uh, I worked on Batman RIP final crisis, Jeff Johns's green lantern, uh, just to name a few. And, um, it was a really formative experience for me. I, I learned so much about the industry and all the moving parts that go into it. Um, before I had started, you know, I knew writers, I knew a few artists. I didn't know anything about anchors. I didn't really know letterers by name. I didn't know production. I didn't know the publicity or marketing side or, or the creative services department, which gets everybody paid. Uh, you know, certainly didn't know the mailroom, you know, where you're shipping art, you know, you're shipping original art back to the inkers or back to the pencilers or you're shipping penciled art to the inkers for them to hand ink. Um, so it was a really wonderful experience. Um, the thing is, is that I did it during the recession. Uh, uh, you know, so there were no jobs to be had. But um, one of the new assistant editors who had started around when I started as an intern, she joined the Batman office. Her name was Janelle Aslan. And she was an alumni at Newsarama. So she connected me with her editor there, Troy Brownfield. And he wound up being my mentor. Um, so I, I, I wrote for Newsarama for uh, over a decade wound up becoming the reviews editor um i kind of recruited uh all the reviewers that you 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 know and love there um i handpicked them um and it was you know a wonderful experience it was really kind of like comics boot camp um you know it taught me how to kind of synthesize and articulate and analyze what i liked about comics what i didn't like about comics were there any creators whose tools i really enjoyed were there creators who did things that i hated um, I got to learn from a lot of other people's mistakes. I, um, at the same time, I was also, I was working as a newspaper reporter for a while. Um, I covered state politics. I covered crime. I covered, um, uh, local mental health beat. I covered uh, local military beat. Uh, I went on to be, to work in publicity at CBS in New York. I worked on shows like the big bang theory, person of interest, blue bloods, uh, pretty much, pretty much any show that they worked on. I, I, I worked in their corporate department. So I worked on all of their primetime lineup. Um, and, you know, as that was, I was doing all this, um, I was starting to feel a little restless, uh, particularly as far, I, I wasn't feeling creatively fulfilled. And uh, simultaneously, the comics I was reading, I wasn't particularly vibing with. And that comes and goes, you know, that, that, that comes in waves. Um, and it's always been the case for me, even as a kid. But I got to the point where I said, my relationship with comics needs to change or I need to leave. And so I think that subconsciously got me towards writing uh, my first book, Spencer and Locke. Um, I kind of tricked myself into doing it. You know, I wrote a first issue and I thought that was cool. And then I wrote an outline. I thought that was cool. And I wrote, then I, you know, pitched an artist and that was cool. And then I chopped it to a couple publishers just to see what would happen. And then suddenly actual lab entertainment said we want it and suddenly this like chill went down my spine i was like oh <laughs> i gotta write this thing so um that was my first book um it came out in 2017 uh it was nominated for five ringo awards which is uh just crazy um for for especially for my first book um and thankfully people like that enough that i, I i've been at work on in comics ever since um, I did the second volume of Spencer and Locke that came out last year. Uh, we did Calvin and Hobbes versus Beetle Bailey. That's kind of our, 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 our dark Knight meets the deer hunter kind of riff. Um, uh, that just got nominated for a Ringo award this week. Um, um, my, my latest book going to the chapel, which was uh, die hard beats bridesmaids. Um, uh, it's about a, a, a bride who becomes the ringleader of her own hostage situation to get out of walking down the aisle. Um, that also was nominated for a Ringo this week. Um, it, it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, um, and then, yeah, I, I, now the OZ. So, um, yeah, it's been, uh, you know, kind of a, it's, it's a, it's a crazy whirlwind that also took place over 12 years. So, um, yeah, like, like I said, nothing about my career or my books is ever straightforward, but I've been, I feel really fortunate because all these different experiences that I thought would have no bearing on the rest of my life, they actually taught me all really important survival skills that I use every day uh, as a comics writer. Now, some people may ask, why are we talking about the OZ on Nerds from the Crypt? Because normally we do horror themed um, sure. no, projects. It's a, it's a horror of, of, well, I'll let you explain it. Right. Cause yeah. uh, I know what it's about, but I want, I want people to hear it from, from you. 
Uh, Where do you think the horror aspect is in this one? Well, you know, I I think, I think there is, there is that element of fear and, and scariness when it comes to war. And we've taken, you know, the, the wizard of Oz, we've taken that and really kind of pushed it through the same lens as a hurt locker or, um, you know, or, or, um, or Mad Max Fury Road, where, you know, things are not sunny in the land of Oz right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the way that this book kind of came to being is we've, we've recast Dorothy Gale killing the Wicked Witch of the West as something like a botched regime change. And so when she clicked her heels together three times and went back to Kansas, she inadvertently created this power vacuum that led Oz into years of brutal civil war. And so our story deals with the reckoning of that. Um, it's a generation later and Dorothy's uh, granddaughter is uh, a, a namesake is a, an Iraq war veteran. And she's come back from her time overseas with some real trauma and some real guilt and some real scars. And she's been trying to put her life back together in Kansas when a tornado strikes. And suddenly this new Dorothy finds herself in the war torn land of Oz. So she's going to have to really navigate. uh, She's going to have to confront her past and her grandmother's legacy, not to mention navigating her grandmother's former friends if she hopes to survive the occupied zone, or as the locals call it, the OZ. uh, Yeah, you know, it's um, Oz is the land of Oz has teeth now. (laughs) You know, it's uh, it's certainly it's it's become a war zone and it takes it takes a soldier to survive it. One of the things that I saw during the uh, in the Kickstarter page, yeah. we had the preview. It's the PTSD that yeah. that new Dorothy is going through, and I think really more than anything, that is the most real type of horror that yeah. anyone can have. Um, yeah. Not only going through the the war itself, but yeah. trying to adjust back here at home. Absolutely. I mean, uh, like I, like I touched upon very briefly, um, I you know when I was working as a newspaper reporter two of the, the, the sort of the mini beats that I covered was the local mental health beat and the local military beat. And so I interviewed a lot of veterans coming back from overseas. And this was in an economically depressed area. It used to be a GE town uh, before the plants closed. Um, you know, Western Massachusetts doesn't get all the tax dollars, doesn't get all the infrastructure, doesn't get all the, the, uh, the spotlight. And these people were coming home and having, you know, and, and talking about, about how they were readjusting. Um, it was really powerful. These those stories really stood out to me. Not so much, not just about the hypervigilance of it all, of having, you know, uh, you know, these intrusive thoughts hit you and take you right back to, you know, the worst moments of your life. But it was the sense of isolation. It was the alienation of it all uh, because they had so, so much difficulty articulating it. Um, you know, because it, it, it's, it's one of those things. If you haven't been over there, it's, it's it's impossible to fully understand it. And as somebody who has not served, you know, I think having that that knowledge base of having spoken to people and taken the time to really kind of hear about their lives going back from the war, um, it really I think affected a lot of my work. I think it really is the reason why in every book that I've tackled, whether it's something as bleak as Spencer and Locke or something as comparatively light on its feet as going to the chapel. I I'm always exploring trauma. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I think, I think that's, that's, you know, uh, hell is other people. No, hell is ourselves. Um, I think Mm -hmm. our traumas and we all have them. I don't, I think anybody who says they don't is either lying or ignorant or extremely, extremely lucky. But I used to think our traumas shaped who we were you know, um, you know, our personalities and the way we responded to things. And I still think there, there's an element of truth to that, but having worked on the OZ, I think my thinking has evolved a bit. I think our trials are our gauntlets. You know, it's something that we always kind of circle back to. Uh, maybe it's all the time. Maybe it's every once in a while, but the way that we wind up facing those traumas, it becomes, it, that's the tenor of our lives, whether we're able to kind of, conquer them, confront them. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're not, sometimes we bury them. Sometimes we have to escape them. Um, there's no judgment to, Mm -hmm. to that. But, um, I really do think that our traumas, they become the themes of our lives and we, we spend our lives then 
trying to 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 get over them. Just just reading the the sample that you gave as someone who who has gone through like depression and all that. What's it called? It's r- real. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's it's a comic book, but it it really um, resonates with me, and it actually I don't have the the level of PTSD that New Dorothy is going through, but you know it's something that you can relate to and see that how where the real terror or the real horror is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, and I think for me, it's always about how do you how do you ground the story um, mm-hmm. with a human core? Um, because I, I feel like I never want to tell stories for just shock value's sake. Um, and I, it, because for me, comics, you know, it's not just one shot. It's, 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 it's a long game. You want to build that reader investment. Mm-hmm. You want to have that emotional engagement. Um, anybody can write shock um, and anybody can write shock and it'll get you in the door once. Um, but you know, that's not, that's not the path to something longer, longer lasting. And so having done now, this is my second project that has sort of re-examined pop culture phenomenon. Um, I always want to make sure that the original text supports it. So you said you've been working on this for about three years. Was it always Wizard of Oz or did it just go that way? So it's a great question because a lot of people ask me, oh, what made you want to do Wizard of Oz? And it's it's actually kind of the opposite. The Wizard of Oz kind of backed into this idea that I was brewing and I realized, oh, this is the perfect fit. Um, I had done Spencer and Locke, you know, it was a crime book. Um, when you have a concept of what if Calvin and Hobbes grew up in Sin City, you don't know how that's going to turn out. Um, you know, I thought I was going to get, I, half of me thought I was going to get run out of the industry and never get to do this again. <laughs> Thankfully, people responded to that book. Thank goodness. Um, and uh, so I, I, I started coming up with more ideas. And so I came up with Spencer and Locke volume two, which was kind of, you know, Calvin and Hobbes versus Beetle Bailey. Uh, um, and then I came up with going to the chapel because I was the best man at my oldest friend's wedding and I did a terrible job at it. Um, so I thought that could be, a, that could be a fun story. Um, and then I wanted to do something bigger. You know, I had done kind of street level books and I thought, what's my big swing? And, um, sci-fi is hard, you know, I'm, I'm working on, I've, I've since worked on more sci-fi and I'm working on a sci-fi horror book right now, but, um, it's hard. You got to come up with these hard and fast rules for everything. Whereas fantasy, you're able to really deal with the metaphor and you're able to deal with the, uh, the character work a little bit more. Um, the rules can bend to your themes. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, okay, I want to do something, a war book and I want to do some sort of mashup cause I like doing mashups. Um, and um, so I wrote down a bunch of inspirations. I wrote down uh, Tolkien. I wrote down Lloyd Alexander. I wrote Piers Anthony. I wrote Harry Potter. I wrote The Wizard of Oz. And as I saw the cursor flashing on the word Oz, I thought, oh, that word's so short, but it's so iconic. Um, that could be an acronym for something. And I thought of DMZ. And then I thought, oh, it's the occupied zone. And that's when it kind of like hit me like a bolt of lightning. I was like, oh, this is this is a war story. Um, and I thought of this image and Ruben Rojas channeled it scarily well of, you know, this, of his cover where Dorothy's kind of staring at us as this haunted soldier. And the Tin Man is right behind her as this sort of hulking, uh, you know, war machine freedom fighter. And yeah, so that idea stuck, stuck with me for a while. And um, I remember I developed the, the original story. Uh, I fleshed it out for a publisher and we made it all the way to the one yard line. And um, <laughs> we we went up against another another fantasy book, a dark fantasy book by a, a bigger name. And so I understand the the publisher, I don't I don't begrudge them in the slightest, that they had said, Hey, like we've got, you know, we've got we can't do two dark fantasy books at the same time. But the editor I spoke with, they didn't have to do this, and it, it really made all the difference. They when they had to deliver the bad news, they said, I want you to know this isn't a referendum on you, your talent or the strength of this concept, because I think you have a real winner here. The chips just didn't fall your way this time, but I strongly recommend you pursue this book further. And that little act of kindness changed the game. Um, I really, I kept pushing after that. Um, you know, and so I found artist Ruben Rojas. I found him on Twitter answering a call to artists. 
I found uh, Whitney Kogar and DC Hopkins, who were recommended to me by my friend Michael Mokio, who's uh, now um, at Scholastic and Mad Cave. Um, but yeah, you know, it 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 uh, it took a while to get there. But l- like I said, I think the source material justifies the concept. Um, you know, if if you've ever watched the Judy Garland film, if you've ever read any of the L. Frank Baum novels, um, he, uh, you know, Dorothy kills the Wicked Witch and splits. And, you know, that's, that's, uh, in the books, they try to wrap it up with a neat little bow, but that's not really how that works in the real world. You know, it would turn into something like Baghdad. Um, because, well, we see yeah, in real life where these countries go into liberate, yep. but the people are not set up to take yes. over, you know, and, yes. and it turns into a, con- a, con- exactly. a contested area. Well, exactly. You know, the, the ugly truth about these despots is they don't just rule through fear and power, although they that, that they, they certainly wield both, but it's this insidious control. You know, they've got their roots in everything. And so when you rip them out, you're suddenly all this other stuff is getting ripped out with it. And uh, like you said, you know, not only is the infrastructure badly damaged, uh, but it also becomes like a free for all it, 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 you know, people see say, Oh, I want that piece of the pie and it gets game of Thrones like, and so um, that's sort of the political regime that the OZ is now under is that, you know, it's it, there, there is a, there's, there's, there's a new tyrant on the throne, but it's, it is chaotic. Um, you know, everybody's at war and Dorothy as a soldier is going to have to navigate that. Um, she's somebody who has realized already that, the 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 the, uh, the the training to wage war and the training to build a lasting peace are not always on the same page. Sometimes they're not even in the same book. And she's already been thinking, you know, is there a way to escape this cycle? And is there a way to make a just decision in wartime when every choice you make can wind up with someone dead? So she's going to be running that moral calculus, especially as she has this sort of uncomfortable burden of leadership thrust upon her by virtue of who her grandmother was. And I think that that is going to be something that's going to be running through Dorothy's mind uh, through through the entirety of our series. Let's talk about the characters. Yeah. Um, the artwork. Sure. The uh, the cover. What do, what do you want to go for? Which, which do you want to do first? I'm happy to I'm happy to to, to, to do both. It's actually a little bit of a mix of both because the cover of the of the um, OZ, mm-hmm. like you said, or you touched upon it, has this Tin Man, Tin yeah. Man that I've never seen before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you kind of outline the look or did you let Ruben just go with it? So what I tend to do, so my scripts are pretty Spartan. Um, in, in part because I just kind of want to get from point A to point B. Like I, 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 I consider it like water skiing. You know, if, if I, if I sit and I linger, I'm going to sink, but my character descriptions, I, I, I get pretty detailed. Um, you know, I tend to throw in all sorts of details to give artists different things to bounce off of. Ruben is one of those rare gems that he, he, he takes almost, he takes as much as I give him and he tries to incorporate all of it. Um, so the Tin Man uh, the tin soldier in this case. Um, I remember Ruben sent me a preliminary uh, drawing and it, it was a guy in armor. And I said, so the way I want to rephrase this is this is not a guy wearing armor. He is the armor. And I think that really kind of clicked for Ruben. We, we talked a lot about uh, fallout. Uh, we talked about, um, you know, world war two bombs, uh, the way that people would graffiti them. Um, so if you see the tin soldier, he's got a little bit of shark graffiti on his arm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we, we talked about, uh, you know, this is a guy who he's been, he's been blown up and rebuilt so many times that he's just kind of a patchwork person now. Um, and at the same time, like he's, he's the guy who he, he, he was a blue collar salt of the earth guy. And he's kind of had to squash that down a bit because he's watched all these people die. And so it's hard for him to get attached. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I, I think Ruben, he's the kind of guy who we usually go back and forth once and that's all he needs. Um, he, he gives me, he gives me an idea. I give him some ideas to sort of punch it up and then he just like knocks it clean out of the park. Uh, he sent me a design for uh, another character who we'll, we'll get to see more of in issues two and three, 
Uh, he sent me a design for that uh, the other day, and I was just blown away. Um, and that was just for the f- first draft. So, um, yeah, Ruben's really the real deal. He's a brilliant designer. Um, I think it's one of his biggest strengths as a storyteller, uh, although he has many. I mean, he's he's also very gifted with his compositions. He's very gifted with the character work. But the level of detail and characterization that he gives to Oz and the people who live within it, um, that's what makes our book so so unique and so powerful, I think. Um, and it's why I love working with Ruben. I mean, we're already talking right now about what the next project we're going to work on together is, whether that's a, a sequel to the OZ or something else entirely. But he's such a joy to work with that I, I, I want to work with him till the wheels come off. Um, so he's terrific. So I, I uh, and you know, people like uh, Whitney Kogar, our colorist, our letterer, DC Hopkins, um, they're really the perfect people to 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 have in our corner for this book. Uh, Whitney. And I, we talked about a lot, uh, what's the Mad Max version of Star Wars look like? And she really took that directive and ran with it. So she's able to keep that grittiness and that intensity. But it's also, you know, you get that sense of scale and scope and wonder. Um, because, you know, like I said, the Land of Oz has teeth. But it doesn't make it any less of a beautiful place. Um, and so, yeah, uh, just like I have to kind of walk a, a tightrope between, you know, being gritty and still honoring the original source material and the, and the fantasy elements of it all. Um, Whitney's the same way. And I think she really kind of executes our tone and our atmosphere in, 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 in the most perfect way possible. And, um, and then Dave Hopkins, our letter, you know, he's kind of the guy he's, 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 he's the, uh, the ultimate team player. He's the guy who's always so considerate and so deliberate with how his work impacts anybody else's. Um, and so he and I talk a lot about, you know, he, he will, he will try valiantly to make one of my lines fit on a page and I've realized I've overwritten it. And so then he and I kind of dig into it and figure out, all right, what can I throw out and still get the same effect going with the story? Um, but yeah, you know, DC Hopkins, he's kind of the guardrail, uh, for the rest of us. Um, you know, they, they talk about, there's the movie you write, the movie you shoot and the movie you edit this in comics it's the comic you write the comic that's drawn and the comics that's lettered and so he's really kind of the 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 uh the uh, the center of calm that we need to keep this kind of chaotic enterprise under control but he's also the guy who when the chips are down i know that dc hopkins can make sure that our story sticks the landing in one piece when it comes to the characters i let's talk about the four um main characters right now well Tin Soldier, the the what it's then not the Cowardly Lion anymore. It's the, what um, what did you call him? Uh, I, uh, the Courageous uh, Lion, Courageous yeah. Lion, and Scarecrow and, and New Dorothy. Yeah. Um, of the four, which is the I guess the most difficult one to try to adapt for oh, this world? Um, hmm, good question. Um, I think the one that t- was the most challenging for me was probably the Lion, um, because. Dorothy, the Tin Man and the Scarecrow, all of their concepts really kind of popped out at me pretty much immediately. I, I kind of knew where they would go based on sort of their qualities and their characteristics and the things they wanted from the wizard. Um, the lion took me a little bit. And um, I, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler that, you know, he he only makes kind of a brief appearance in our first issue. He will show up more in our second and third. But um it, you know, heart, hearts and, 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 and minds, you know, those are things that are pretty quantifiable. Courage is a tough thing to think about, but when you think about it in the context of war, then things started to shift. And I realized that, you know, the lion and Dorothy in certain ways are cut from the same cloth, um, you know, because they're, both of their stories are about legacy about, you know, you have these ideals from the past, which we always look at, with rose colored glasses and then you get dragged through the war and the muck and you start to wonder, is there any way of going back? Can you ever honor those ideals or is it just it, it, as, as the mud as the, as the water has been too muddied to do that? If were those, were those ideals even that idyllic in the first place? Um, but I really liked the lion because, you know, this is a guy who wanted courage and what happens um, to that calculus when you're not just fighting for yourself anymore, when you become a king of the animal kingdom, how does that change? So, um, but yeah, I think, you know, there's, 
examining all these characters have been really fun. The Scarecrow, I think, is he was the most complex figure. Um, mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed getting into his head because um, this is the guy who, you know, he, he wanted a brain. He wanted to be smart. And the thing is, is that sometimes being the smartest guy in the room doesn't mean you have all the answers. Sometimes there is no answer. Sometimes that just means you're the first one to realize how horrifying and screwed you are. So um, at the same time, though, every self-described genius, you look at Elon Musk, uh, there's that ego to it. And so what happens to that, you know, brilliant egotist when he keeps going back to the Rubik's Cube and he still can't solve it? What does that do to a person? Um, so he's been he was really he was really fun uh, to, to dig into. And we've got some other characters in the mix as well. Um, I try to keep it fairly self-contained to the original core quartet from the original Wizard of Oz, just so people didn't have to read all 20 L. Frank Baum novels to make sense of it. <laughs> but, you know, like um, Jack Pumpkinhead. Uh, 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 makes a, a pretty important uh, appearance in this book. Um, you know, I've always loved that design from Return to Oz. Um, which, oh, Return to Oz is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you love Return to Oz, you're going to love this. I mean, it's it's very much sort of that same dark remix of, of the original. Um, the Wizard of Oz, I really like our take on that on, on that character. Because, you know, the wizard was always this uh, guy. He, he It was the it was the soft power it was the manipulation but at the same time it was he was so charming and folksy like you didn't hate the wizard of oz you're just like oh that's the wizard you know that's just what he does um you know he he exaggerates he doesn't lie he fabricates um and i think the way that we've approached that in this book i i i'm i'm particularly pleased with um you know it's our it's 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 a very different take in a very different twist but one that i think readers are going to fall in love with instantly um so yeah it's 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 you know it's a remix but it's a it's that balancing act of how can we change things in a way that still feels organic but still leave enough of the original that people will know what we're talking about uh yeah did you go back and read the original book or so it's, it's funny. I had, um, I had read a a bunch of the Oz novels in college. Um, I wrote a term paper in adolescent literature about how the land of Oz was like a prototypical superhero universe. Um, you know, how, how bomb was building upon continuity and, uh, mythology over the course of 20 novels, decades before Stanley and Jack Kirby ever showed up. So um, I was I was I was pretty familiar with the mythos. Uh, so for me, it was actually just kind of like how, you know, how, how do we kind of keep it self-contained? That we have Easter eggs for the diehards, but like I said, keeping that kind of core group intact. So thing people like Ozma or TikTok, for example, you know, um, we're kind of keeping those in our back pocket. Um, you know that that those characters might be more appropriate for a later story if we, if we choose to do one, um, because yeah, it's, it's, it's like writing the Marvel universe in a way, you know, you, you don't write a story that just like throws everything in the kitchen sink out there. Cause then nobody's going to get it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's just trying to be cognizant and, uh, and try to be as accessible and universal as humanly possible. I think when you do that, it's fine. And, and, the readers might understand it, might they might understand it. Yeah. But then you kind of get rid of future storylines because you're introduced the characters already. Right, right, exactly. You know, for me, it's always just about, you know, um, how can I give this book to a stranger? And it still makes mm-hmm. sense. Yep. And so that's always been my directive. Um, and I think as a result, um, we've been I've been able historically to sort of sell people on comics that may not be diehard comics readers. Cause I, you know, I love my industry. I, I, you know, I've, I've been a comics fan since I was a kid. I'm a third generation comics fan. Um, but the tactics that we've had to take to survive to this point has made our industry more insular than I'd like the, the, the wagons have circled and we're preaching to the choir rather than going out for new converts. And for me, every book I do, I want converts. So, um, that's sort of been my, my over overarching directive for every book I do. And uh, I think it approaches every, the, the way that I, I write everything. That's the reason why I love indie comics. Yeah. You can get into 
miniseries without having to worry about continuity of what 60 70 80 years of characters and stories yeah and not worry about not knowing what happened before exactly i mean and that's kind of that's kind of the um the benefit of kickstarter is that you know unlike a, a comic shop um where you know you're dealing with hundreds of issues of stuff from from the big two of marvel and dc or you know even you know spawn i think has hit its 300th issue uh, savage dragon so um (laughs) uh you know for me it it, kickstarter you know skies of fire is probably one of the longest you know longest serving kickstarter books at comics and it's at issue seven so i think it is way more accessible and on top of that like you know there are a lot of people who don't know what a comic shop is or if they do they wouldn't know where their local one is and if they do they might have had a bad experience and even if they didn't they might be going there and just be totally overwhelmed um but uh i think as a in, in Kickstarter, everybody's got a computer. Everybody, most people know what Kickstarter is at this point, and those who don't, they're starting to learn. Um, and Kickstarter does a really good job. It, it's very, it's very intuitive. They're, they're, it's in their best interests to promote everybody because they want every project to succeed. They want to get their cut. So, um, yeah, I think um, you know, it, it, being accessible, I think, is is, is sort of the, the bedrock. So you bring up uh, Marvel and DC and the big company. What does having worked at DC as like an intern bring to to sort of orchestrating all of this, right? You want the yeah. comic to be accessible, but you've also been on the other side of that door with, you know, books like Jeff Johns and Batman. Yeah, I, I uh, it's a great question. I mean, for me, it that DC experience gave me all the tools to, to learn how to make a comic. Um, you know, and it showed me that there's a lot more moving parts to it than just writing a script. Um, you know, I, I, there are a lot of creators out there and I think it's to the, to their detriment, if not the whole industries that they say, I've written a script and I've handed it off to the artist and that's it. Book should sell itself. No book sells itself. Um, doesn't matter how good it is. They don't sell themselves. Um, you know, you gotta, you gotta get out there and you gotta pound pavement and you gotta shout from the rooftops and you gotta talk to literally every person you can. Um, so I, I, uh, I think my time at DC though, you know, like it certainly impressed upon me um, uh, a lot of the aesthetics that I've got with my work. Um, they, they taught me, for example, you know, art makes or breaks a comic. So colors make or break your art. And that's made me very picky about my art, um, uh, particularly the colors that go into it. Um, so, yeah, you know, but I, I, I mean, I think superhero comics are in my DNA. Um, they certainly influence the way that I write, uh, writers like Devin Grayson from, uh, Batman Gotham Knights, Jeff Johns, uh, for his work on JSA, uh, in particular, um, you know, Rick Remender, uh, you know, uh, for pretty much anything he does, he's so deliberate, um, with his pacing and his characterization and his dialogue. Um, you know, I, I hesitate to say it, but, you know, even Warren Ellis, um, you know, who, who, you know, I, as, as we've, we have now discovered is, is, is not a great guy. Um, and, and is a serial predator. In fact, if I, if I don't want to mince words, um, he, you know, even that, like, even though I, I, I consider that we're all grappling with this, um, you know, with the fallout of that, you know, it's his work was still influential on me. Um, you know, so yeah, it's, it's just, um, you know, I think my time at DC, I wouldn't be here without it, um, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, you know, it was the it was the snowball at the top of the mountain, and um, so uh, yeah, you know, I, I feel like I learned a lot, and you know, I I, I hope one day to return. Um, you know, so we'll 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 see. Uh, you know, at this point, I'm happy doing my creator owned indie work, and if I ever get called up to the majors, uh, I'll be the first to say yes. Let's go talk about the rewards, sure. Cause- that's where the uh, the you know the backers come into play, right? <laughs> right, right. What are the different reward uh, yeah. tiers that people so can get we, into? We've got tons of rewards, and we we try to do it that there's every there's new um, there, there there are tiers for every level of budget because, like I said, I'm I want this to be accessible. I I, I want to build that wider consensus. So um, we've got, for example, uh, every tier from our five dollar tier on up, you get the first issue PDFs of, of Spencer and Locke number one and going to the chapel number one, just so, you know, you, you get something, you feel like you get something from me. 
um, starting at $10, you get the 44 page OZ number one on top of the 44 other pages that I'm offering you. Plus you're going to get my script. Um, so that way you, you get to see a little bit behind the scenes of w- what we did. Um, beyond that, you know, $15, you get, uh, uh, uh Ruben Rojas's, uh, inks as well as Whitney Kogar's untouched colors. So again, for the, 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 the process junkies, um, and then, you know, going on to our print side, we, we got tons of, of rewards. We've got four different covers for this book. So, um, Ruben Rojas did our amazing main cover. We've also got variants from Mon House. He did our Winged Monkey variant. If you're into horror, you're going to love his work. Um, we've got uh, Rio Burton, who's got kind of our movie poster version of the cover. Or Kenneth Wagnon, who did his uh, Akira homage. Uh, I love that cover. Um, we've also got a special deal that if you buy all four of them, uh, all four covers, you basically get it for the price of three. So, um, and then going up, let's see what, what's still left. Um, you know, we've got deals about all my previous trade paperbacks. Um, Which is the one I... The one that I went to, went went ahead and did. Yeah, so that way you know you can just get caught up in everything. Uh, yeah, I've exactly. Got, <laughs> I've got tons of copies of my books here in my apartment because uh, again I scheduled for sixteen cons this year and I only did two. Oh, yeah. um, you know we've got uh, we've got a uh, one last Skype session available with me um, in case you want to um, you know talk about if you want me to review your pitch or if you want to talk about doing a Kickstarter if you want to talk about doing publicity or you want to talk about navigating Hollywood um i've got i've got one of those uh one last one left of that uh ruben rojas has a sketch card of uh of dorothy's initial design so we've got a tier uh for that um retailers if they want to uh buy the book uh, it, we do require proof of running a store but we've got uh 50 discount for retailers in case they want to sell books to their customers uh because i've had a lot of retailers fight in the trenches for me for a long time so we wanted to give back to that um let's see if we have any so we ran out of uh of commissions for ruben uh we ran out of uh get drawn into the book by ruben but we'll definitely be uh returning those for our second kickstarter in february i will say our creme de la creme our our premiere uh our premiere package right now um uh we had 10 handmade spencer unlock plushies made for my creative oh. team when the book came out wow. we have two left this is a piece wow. of history for any Spencer and Locke fans. Uh, it's our King of the Jungle package. Um, so yeah, we, we we offered three. We have two left. Uh, it's one of those things. It, it, it was the second highest thing that we that that we we put on the page because it's it, there will be no more of these dolls. Um, I I uh, it's it's one of those things that I uh, yeah the, the the person who made our dolls is out of the game. So. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I want to make sure that uh, if we give away one of these Panthers, it's uh, to a loving home. Yeah, it's like I said, it's truly limited. It's not one of those things where it's like yes. limited edition. Hand, and it's handmade, like... individually commissioned. There you and, go. Uh, yes. So we, we had 10. Um, most of them went to my creative team, but we've got just a couple left. And I'm looking at it right now. It looks pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. So is there anything that I'm forgetting to to no, look I mean, over you know, this? Really, the the thing that I I want to impress upon your listeners is that it you know first off uh, we're still looking to build our readership, and I don't want people to think oh man it's 500 percent funded this guy's raking it in because that's not the case whatsoever. Um, this money's going towards making the book. Um, you know I, I I when I put my initial bid down I've been told go conservatively. So my initial bid was to get most of the art paid for, for this book. And I was planning on eating a bunch of print costs. Um, we're at the point now where we're funding the book and getting through our print costs for, for the whole series. But, um, you know, every backer matters, every dollar counts. Um, if I wanted to get rich, I would not be in comics. I'd be an accountant. So, um, (laughs) you know, you know, like, like I, we were just saying, you know, I want to make sure that this book adds value. And on top of the rewards that we've already offered, because we've had such an overwhelming show of support, we, we, we're, uh, we're looking into ways of doing enhanced covers, whether that's uh, raised UV or doing a full-on metallic version of our main cover. We're talking with our printer now about sort of what the feasibility of that is. Um, we are offering a digital comics extravaganza to all of our backers. So um, not only are you going to get for $10, you're going to get 44 pages of the OZ. 
you're going to get 44 pages of my other work, but you're going to get a dozen PDFs from other indie creators. And that's including people like Justin Jordan, Ryland Grant, Frank Gogol, Kevin Eastman, the co-creator of the Ninja Turtles. Um, they've all thrown in, uh, which is really incredible. Um, all physical backers are going to get a, a, a comic-sized print from Kira Okamoto, um, our Yellow Brick Road Warrior print. Those are smash goals that have already been established. So those are things, those are done deals. We just actually announced a new stretch goal today um, where uh, if we if we hit our next stretch goal, we're going to be offering all of our print backers stickers, um, our, our uh, winged monkey squadron stickers, um, as, as, as they say, uh, monkey see, monkey doom. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's it, it, and, and, and we've got a few other things in the pipeline as well. We actually also uh, debuted a theme song for the OZ called Heart, uh, Heart of Tin. Uh, so oh, we're, yeah, we're, yeah. we're figuring out, uh, we're, we're, we're talking now to see if we can uh, maybe offer that as a, as an audio file, uh, for, for our backers. So yeah, it's, it, you know, I, I know that it's a risk being an early adopter and that we want to make sure that we justify that for our readers, especially those who, who aren't familiar with my work. Uh, we want to make sure that every backer gets the maximum bang for their buck. Uh, to, 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 to show our thanks and our gratitude for their support and to keep drawing in a wider readership. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, you, you may think, you know, the story of Oz, but this is the story of what comes next. So uh, we want everybody to join us as honorary yellow brick road warriors and to join us in, in the trenches of the OZ. I'm always excited to see the different takes people can take on the wizard of Oz. The, the story or the movie Wizard of Oz is one of my favorite movies. And then Return to Oz <laughs> is another favorite of mine, but for a whole different reason. Oh, yeah? I think Return to Oz is really the only movie to ever scare the crap out of me when I was young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, 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 is, it, was, it was such a dark and twisted remix. Um, and, you know, that Jack Pumpkinhead design in particular really i mean there's a reason that jack is in this book um yeah. it's because i I'm, love that design so much um, you already kind of talked about it that you you might continue going after the the initial story is is over but um if you do i'm i'm hoping to see tiktok he's one of my favorite characters of the Oz world yeah you know um I, i'm gonna I'm going to, I got to talk it over with Ruben because, you know, the, the weird thing about this book is unlike my other books where I do promotion and it's already all done, uh, you know, he's working on part two right now. He's working on the second installment. So I could, I could see a world where we could fit in a TikTok cameo, but like we were talking about earlier, I want to make sure that I don't play that card too early in case there's a good way to use it later. So more let's of a see, tease. To, to, to be continued <laughs> uh, as far as the TikTok discussion. Is it going to uh, be something like the at the end of the dark night where, or Batman Begins where you see the Joker card or something like that? Yeah, it could be. I mean, you know, it, there's there's a that's the thing about the OZ is I wrote this as standalone, but I always have mm-hmm. an idea in my back pocket. Nice, and because uh, nice. that's the theme of the OZ is that just because the war is over, it doesn't mean there's not another battle right around the corner. Well, Good I'm hoping to see a lot more from from you. And you said I'm hoping to be able to get you back when you do that uh, horror Thank anthology. I, I I appreciate that. Yeah, got a got a new story. Uh, I got a horror story coming and an upcoming anthology. Uh, I I uh, I teased it on my Twitter today as Project Spooky, um, and uh, it's it's super cool. Every uh, my friends who have shown it to have all been blown away by it. Um, so yeah, that should be uh, hopefully announced soon. And then, yeah, working on working on a, a, a horror book right now. So uh, excited. Uh, you know, I, I'm excited to flesh that out and uh, see, see where that book takes me. Will this one also be a, a mashup of sorts or can you not reveal that? Hmm. I don't know. Uh, yeah, listen, everything, <laughs> everything I write is a mashup of some kind, uh, whether it's uh, whether it's an established property or just genres. So, um, yes, it, 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 expect the mashups to be strong. I can't wait. <laughs> But thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And, and uh, thank you guys for, for, for your support for the OZ as well. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, like I said, um, yeah, yeah that's, that's the best thing that, that uh, I look for. At, well, the best thing for me when I talk to creators mm-hmm. is, yes, I get the, the book and all that. But when they take the time to talk to us and, and go over what we're, 
we're um, looking forward to, you know, or yeah. the, the project. It's um, it's such a, so gratifying to see because I actually have a bigger appreciation sure. for the the art of the comic book or the graphic novel because I've heard so many stories in the process and so forth. And, and it just, it, it, I'm just so thankful that you all, um, or do this. Oh, please. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, I love Kickstarter. Um, this has been a really fun process for me and, uh, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't be more grateful for, for your support and, and, and all of our other readers as well. So I'm going to tell you guys, I'm going to leave the, the link to the Kickstarter in, in the description of this uh, episode, yeah. I was going to say, I'm gonna, I, I probably should mention you can you can follow the OZ on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the OZ Comic. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Pepos D. It's my last name, first initial, or David Pepos Comics on Facebook. And and last but not least, and it's it's very important. You know, I I, I tease a lot of my projects on this, so I, I want people to sign up. Um, I have a newsletter called Pep Talks. It's at uh, bit.ly slash Pep News. And, you know, if I've been teasing the OZ on that newsletter for a year. So if you want to get in on the ground floor on the next uh, couple books, this is the place to sign up. Real quick, last last question here. Shoot. If people can't back this at the moment of its can Kickstarter, sure. where can people go afterwards to, yeah. to get hold? Um, you can, you you know, we're, we will, we will have a second Kickstarter. Um, and we will make sure that we offer um, abilities to catch up on this book. Um, you know, we, 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 like I said, we want to make this as accessible as possible. Um, but uh, yeah, it, you know, I, I, to be continued, you know, because um, it's one of those things we want to focus on the Kickstarter first and foremost. But um, I'm going to try to print some extra just to make sure that if for some reason somebody isn't able to get on the ground floor, that uh, we'll be able to cover them uh, uh, after the, after the campaign ends. Awesome. Well, David, once again, thank you very much for joining us here on Nurse in the Crypt. Okay. And um, like I said, can't wait to hear hear more from you and see more from you. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Thank you all yeah, thank for you. for joining us, and we'll see you on next time here on Nurse from the Crypt. Are you a fan of things that go bump in the night? Chills up your spine, paralyzed by fright. Thrilled by horror at the center of a chat. Then welcome to the Nerds from the Crypt Podcast.